This is Brass Monkeys Episode 9! Good evening, my name is Clyde and this is Brass Monkeys News. Cuddles, pass me that banana. Bingo, sit down, behave. So this week, I can scarcely keep up with it. It's been another of those weeks where the government seem to make it up as they go along. Just a quick word this week about the uh, state of the uh, the union, so to speak. The tears. Is it tears or tears? In case you hadn't noticed, by the way, here at Brass Monkeys, we have been keeping an eye on what's happening in the world. End of the year is approaching rapidly, which means the final countdown is on to leaving Europe, at which point we should really play Europe and the final countdown, but that would be a bit obvious. And as if Brexit wasn't bad enough, the US election, it's actually finally arriving. Is Donald going to be re-elected? Is he going to barricade himself into the White House? Or will he be carried out on a stretcher with a couple of pencils stuffed up his nostrils? We may even have a Space Force develop another one. Space Force. We have the Air Force, we'll have the Space Force. I will be the greatest president for many, 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 many years to come. Good evening, this is Brass Monkeys. Welcome, so good to have you along for this, which is episode nine of our epic series of weekly, well, not weekly, uh, fortnightly, uh, well, not fortnightly, um, monthly, something like that, uh, diatribes about the world that we find ourselves living in today. Uh, here I am. Yes, it's Clyde. Hello. Over there is Bingo. Good evening, Bingo. And Hello. over there, why are you sat so far away, Cuddles? Have you got something wrong? Uh, no, I haven't got a temperature. I haven't got a cough. I'm just feeling a little bit like I ought to be further away from people at the minute. Social distancing has finally got to me. I'm, I'm practising it everywhere. It's funny you say about social distancing, because, of course, we're rapidly approaching that time of, of the year, uh, the month, of course, of October, where we have to go through Halloween. Now, I remember Halloween as a, as a time of just innocence, you know, bobbing for apples, sticky toffee apples and uh, sausages and soup and just kind of a, a friendly, kind time, uh, which was kind of a preamble for bonfire night coming on, which was maybe slightly more noisy and everything, but, but equally enjoyable. But of course, over the years, um, we've become a bit Americanized, as we keep talking about every week at Brass Monkeys, you know, where America leads, we follow. Um, and I'm thinking with with it, much of the US have, have effectively cancelled Halloween this year, which I'm sure there are many parents who are going, thank God for that. Um, but what's going to happen here? I mean, here at, um, at uh, Brass Monkeys Towers, we do traditionally put a couple of pumpkins outside. I'm not a fan of this, actually. Um, I, in the past, I have dressed up as a particularly hideous monkey uh, to scare small children when they answer the door and then give them some sweets. Um, but this year, what's going to happen? Are we going to have socially distanced groups of no more than six children um, doing virtual knocks or, or what? Any ideas? 
Well, I did wonder how this is going to work. And if even America are saying this probably isn't a very good idea to be doing it this year, then perhaps this is a, a point where we should be taking our cue from the States because I can't see how sensible it's going to be when you've got people in certain parts of the country in, in the new Tier 3 lockdown where it's go outside and we'll shoot you practically. They're still talking about going and having Halloween. How's that actually going to work? Walking around, you know, sort of putting your hand in a bowl of sweets or opening the door to someone less than a metre apart and saying, help yourselves, lads. That's just not really conducive to not spreading a, a killer virus I around think, the country. I think I'm you're going to have a lot of American householders are going to be opening their doors with an M16. Well, no change there. I mean, that's what Get off my oper- land! Exactly. Normal modus operandi for most of the southern states, if not some of the northern ones as well these days. I think it would probably be the best thing for everyone involved that we just call it quits this year and look forward to next year being a better one. Or could we just abandon it full stop? Well, maybe the Americans are going to do it like we do here. I mean, I think uh, you're, you're showing your age a bit there, Clyde, um, because now <laughs> Halloween is done with uh, a little bit more flair and pizzazz. Um, every Halloween you have to, and I mean have to, go to Thought Park with a knife and, and <laughs> That's how Halloween's other, done. Other theme parks are available, folks. <laughs> but not oh, other Lord. threatening methods of death. <laughs> Thought part, wine, dine and die. <laughs> oh, God. Hang on. Is the phone ringing? Is it Hello? the lawyers again? Hi, Browse Monkeys HQ. Yeah. Um, no, no, he didn't say that. No, 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 you misheard. Absolutely. No, no, we said Thorpe Park. It's a high. Yes, yes, particularly the big ride. Yes, no, we won't say anything nasty about you ever again. Promise. I will. And ignore bingo. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, bye. Um, Okay, so yes, let's let's face it. um, Trick or treat, I'm not a great fan of it. And hopefully this might see it being canned forever. Although I somehow doubt that to be the case. But look... Um, This is kind of a Halloween special this week because by the time you hear this, you will either have had some obnoxious small child knocking on your door or you'll be relaxing, safe in the knowledge that you haven't seen anybody come anywhere near you. In which case, you're obviously isolating and uh, we wish you well. Rewind. Yes, we'll we'll sort that in post, Les. Um... (laughs) How many times have I heard that? Well, well, basically, you've got this unelected, nasty piece of work sat there. He is the man who is pulling the strings and controlling everything. And he's also taking food off people's tables. This man isn't even elected. How can he even think that he has the right to do this? What an arrogant, arrogant piece of work that, that bloke is. Well, you know, say it like it is. He he is a. Can we can we say the ultimate swear word? The one that starts in C. Have we got the bleep machine working? Ooh, I think. That... I, uh, ooh, <laughs> get a bit itchy. We we all know Ofcom, and I know this is nowhere near Ofcom, but, ooh, but ooh, we'll have to get my, clearance. In my opinion, that's what he is. Because here we are. We're dealing with a government now that is taking the food out of children's mouths, quite literally. But but this government, so they they. Initially, bowed to pressure for Marcus Rashford to pay out for school meals over the holidays, which was a fantastic thing to do. Fair play to all right, it took a little bit of work, but at least kids got some decent food inside them. 
well, I don't know, well, let's say it was £2 a day or whatever it was, that must have been enough just to provide some sustenance to these poor kids who've been deprived of their free school meals. So Mark Rashford thought, quite rightly, let's do it again. Let's let's get some money out of the government. Let's keep feeding children. Because that's not a f***ing bad idea at all, is it? So now we've got a government, right, who... Whose responsibilities really should be, you know, the number one responsibility should be to make sure that no child suffers. As an adult, you can't, not always, but you get your, your own lot in life, don't you? But we have a government that has voted to take away the food from children's mouths. And I, I, I quote Ben Bradley, the MP, knows where he's an MP for, but he's a right arsehole. Um, Extending free school meals to school holidays passes responsibility for feeding kids away from parents to the state. It increases dependency. He's saying children should be less dependent. What fucking planet is he on? Oh, God. Well, we'll all be back in workhouses before we know it, won't we? We'll be uh, making license plates like in the States. Well, if you can't pay your way, so, you know, you're going to have to come out of school. You're going to have to go down. Have we got any of those dark satanic mills working in? Oh, there's quite a lot of them up north. <laughs> ah, now it all starts to make sense, doesn't it? They're they useless. Really they really useless. haven't. We're talking about a government that handed out a contract to a ferry company with no f- ferries. We're talking about a government that <laughs> f- hands out contracts to f- water suppliers for face masks. It's just beyond belief. A government that does eat out to help out, which is, I think, all but certain now to have fueled the spread of COVID throughout September and October. But when it comes to feeding children, oh, we can't f- no, no, but we can give you some money off a burger in a pub where you're all crammed in close to each other and coughing all over each other and sharing the salt cellars. Yeah, exactly. What, what a, what a crock cluster f- of arse clowns who are sat there in Westminster at the minute. I do think this could very well be, even if it's not the main turning point, it could very well be the the first seeds being sown of them not getting their own way anymore and people starting to push back because really meaningfully no one has really stood up to them have they there's not really been what you could call a viable opposition throughout most of this and there needs to be something now and it could very well be this is starting to put that in train i hope Yeah, so to get on to my pet subjects, uh, Brexit, it's looming, as as we were, were talking about a bit earlier on. Clyde was, was mentioning we're homing in on the end of the year. Not only have we got to worry about the big orange monkey over there in the White House potentially coming back for another four years, please, God, no. I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China. We've also got our own looming deadline of finally either crashing out of the EU or leaving with a, with a bit of a whimper rather than a bang. Either way, it's going to be a crock. But we'd rather we left with some form of a deal rather than everything having a tariff imposed on it that has to go in and out of Kent. Our our leader in chief, shall we say, the uh, the blonde bombshell, blonde bellend, more like. It's perfectly true that I have had some drugs. Has been... Uh, doing his best to try and uh, shake things up at the negotiating table by threatening to walk away and impose a no deal on us all, which the cynical amongst us, or the realist amongst us, depending on which way you look, would say is what they wanted all along, because all his big friends in the city are betting on this happening, and they've already put all their money on a no-deal happening, and all the short futures that they've uh, long paid for, which are going to keep them all in champagne and cocaine for years to come, (laughs) is going to come home and uh, pay dividends for them. 
It's terrifying. I mean, do you know what? I've been trying to keep up with this, but obviously with COVID going on at the moment, what a wonderful distraction for this absolute oh, yes. cluster f we've got governing us. Yep. Um, yep. So I can't figure out now um, whether or not, you know, we're, we're, the EU are playing hardball. I'm pretty sure I know our side are playing hardball. But it's a bit like um, a 10-year-old saying, uh, right, well, I'll come to your birthday party, but I want this, that, and the other. And the, ten -year the other 10-year-old is having the birthday party going, don't really actually want you at my birthday party that much. I've got plenty of other mates, so mm -hmm. bye. That's yep. exactly what's happening now. And and I just can't get my head around the fact that people still don't see it. No, we need them far more than they need us. And everybody knows that. And I can just see this whole thing with Johnson at the minute of grandstanding is purely to say, well, I tried, I tried. It'll be their fault if it all falls apart. You know, we've we've tried our best to play the game, but they just wouldn't give way. They don't need to give way. We're the ones who walked away from a perfectly decent deal. And they are now in the position where they can go, well, do you know what? F*** you. We'll charge you more for everything that's coming out. Yes, we might have to pay a bit more for some of the things that you sell us, but basically BMW will move mini production somewhere inside the EU like the rest of it, and the rest of our industry will follow suit. And what little there is still being made in the UK will soon disappear because it will be much cheaper and much more effective to bring it back into the EU. Johnson knows that, the government knows that, they all know it, but they're trying to spin it so it's the EU who are made to look like the bad party. And this was always going to be the case. And it really, really pisses me off. It's terrifying, isn't it, that, that these people are in charge? And, and that, well, that's an excellent point, you know, Cuddles. Um, I just sort of got a personal uh, thought in my head of the, the mini factory in Oxford. Mm -hmm. um, see, it's that vast, vast place. Um, used to work quite near there actually, and 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 the size of it huge. If that disappears, the amount of jobs that are going to go, the amount of um, and it's, it's you know it's not it's a nice area, but it, could, it you know without that, is it going to survive? Places like that all over the country, it's terrifying. It yeah. really is terrifying what well, we are facing up to. I've t up until this point, for me, it's just been like, well, I kind of liked having European Union on my passport and just being able to bowl into France or Germany or wherever and, and do what I like, and, and that's gone. But this is this is getting so much more serious now. And I think even people like me who were pro-EU remain ha did not see the seriousness of this. And hopefully those Brexiteers are now beginning to wake up and smell the coffee. Well, if you look at the um, the voting intentions of people now, they're saying if we held the referendum again today, how would you vote? It's now looking more like 60-40 stay in the EU, which again tells you all you need to know. People have realised they were sold apart, they were lied to, and now they're having to live with it. There's so many reformed Brexiteers, particularly on Twitter, go, what the hell was I doing? If I'd known what I'd know now. But again, too late now, you know, the job's done. Will of the people, get Brexit done. It's all a load of bollocks. And and the one thing that I thought from the very outset, the one thing that I thought is going to be the major sticking point on this is Northern Ireland. That is a whole powder keg just waiting to go off. We can't go into the whys and wherefores now. That's that's a topic for another another episode all by itself. But that has the potential just to go horrifically wrong. And all the good work that was done, all the rapprochement, all the all the two sides working together, the ending of terrorism, that could all be swept away in the blink of an eye. And the fact that they are playing with this tells you all you need to know about the arrogance and ignorance of the twats at the top at the minute. But yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing at the outset. The first thing I said was, this is going to f*** 
Northern Ireland because half of the people stuck at the top of Northern Ireland don't want to be in Northern Ireland. They want to be part of a bigger island. And, you it's know, gonna happen. it's, it's going to happen. happen. It's these, absolutely going to happen. These, I was going to say, these United States, then we're not quite there yet, are we? But this United Kingdom is all but finished. Oh, sure. yeah. Absolutely. It survive this. Well, it's, I mean, they're sort of, you could see the, the right-leaning media already sort of getting their shots in at uh, Nicola Sturgeon saying she's going to trigger the biggest constitutional crisis this country's ever seen. Bullshit. The government did that by pulling us out of the EU. She's just going to go and do the natural thing and go, well, we all want to still be in the EU. We don't want to be part of this nightmare sort of tyre fire that you've set off down the south. We've never liked you anyway. Now's as good a time as any to go bye-bye. And I tell you what... Mrs. Cuddles is uh, of Scottish ancestry, and when she gets her passport, I shall be taking the advantage of that and shooting north of the border as fast as I can f***ing go. <laughs> can you take us with you as well, please? I will do my utmost. I've, Thank it's you. really, it's really galling. I've got all these friends who are sort of, oh, I've got Irish parentage, but uh, you know, they're all there going, oh, I, I can get a passport, I can get back in the EU, and I'm sitting there going, I'm f***ing born in England. It's horrible. I'm trapped. This and racist uh, aisle. Oh, God, it's awful. It really is. It's, it makes you so ashamed and embarrassed. I mean, you think back, what, eight years and when we were running the Olympics and we were the best thing ever and everybody loved Britain. Now look at us. It's like somebody's lit a fire in a skip and run away laughing. I mean, what? where did it go? What happened? Why? I still David can't Cameron. get my head. Yes, David yes. David Cameron is well into risky sex, and I tell you how I figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh God, I need to be sitting down for this. David Cameron took a risk in 2014 with the Scottish independence referendum. To be to a point, I guess he couldn't say no, but but he took a risk and he got away with it. So a bit like a man who you know I, I don't know well, we won't we won't get into sexual fetishes too much because you know it's a Tory, isn't he? At the end of the day, Charles Jacob Rees Mogg. But thanks. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. See. Yeah. So maybe there was a pig farm in Scotland that he, he was particularly <laughs> fond of, or you know, wouldn't let him have the ham or something. So he gets to 2016 and he's like, "Yeah, I'm getting off on this," and he's rubbing his nipples as he's talking to you know <laughs> Michael God. Gover or whoever the f- it was who was sat in there with him, um, and his wife spanking him with a paddle, and she's like, "What are you gonna do next? What f- referendum are you gonna do next?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, EU, EU," and that's how we've ended up in this state because that man has got a sexual fetish for referendums. Oh, God. Oh, dear me. Well, it's a good thing I haven't eaten much today because I can guarantee you the contents of my stomach will be lying at the bottom of my tree here. That's, uh, it's triggered an image that I really, really didn't want. But I think you're absolutely nailed on. It was just arrogance that got away with it. I've got away with it once. I can carry on getting away with it, exactly as you said. And the man's just... I think at this point, uh, if uh, Cuddles would like to play in the Danny Dyer sample there... Who knows about Brexit? Uh, you watch Question Time, it's comedy. No one knows what it is. It's like this mad riddle that no one knows what it is, right? So what's happened to that twat David Cameron oh. who called it on? <laughs> How comes he can scuttle off? He called all this on. Where is he? He's in Europe, in Nice, with his trotters up, yeah? Where is the geezer? That was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen Danny Dyer ever say. He's not a particularly eloquent man, but on that occasion, I think he spoke for the vast majority of the country, whether or not you were for Brexit. And I think Danny Dyer wasn't, was for Brexit. But even he thought that Cameron was a twat, which tells you everything you need to know about the whole thing. I think. Brown 
Lost Monkeys takes a look back into the mists of time. Yes, it's my favourite part of the show. This is Brass Monkeys going nostalgic. This week we take ourselves back to those cold, drafty classrooms of the 1970s when every child who was somebody had a big gaudy thing on their wrist with a flashing red LED display and a bleep for every possible function. The world of the 1970s digital watch. Yes, the digital watch has had a bit of a resurgence of late, and um, I know that the calculator ones are particularly trendy, but the gold-coloured basic Casio watch that everybody had at school, but probably in silver or black, has had a major resurgence amongst the hipster community because it's awfully trendy to be wearing this thing and go, oh, I know what the 80s was like. I know what the 80s was like. It was shit awful for most of it, (laughs) certainly in terms of digital watches, because every hour on the hour at school, all you'd hear was beep, beep. And that was it. The whole class would go, oh, it's another hour gone by, another hour nearer going home. But uh, no, joking aside, um, they have, I mean, everything goes in circles, doesn't it? Technology. You were saying there that you were telling me a bit earlier on that you had a a calculator watch actually back in the day, as the kids say. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And and this was about the time when, um, well, this must have been mid 90s. uh, I've just come across the Casio Gold stainless steel bracelet watch on Argos. Currently a third off. It was $44.99, now $29.99. Who the fuck would buy that? A hipster, somebody with a very big beard and trousers that go nowhere near his ankles. What's wrong with them? It's hideous. It's like even Del Boy would think twice about this. (laughs) Good God. He's got five-star reviews. Well, there you go. There's a lot of hipsters out there who like shopping on Argos because it's ironic. (laughs) I'll take the penny farthing down there and collect it, shall I? We've all had digital watches, haven't we? Everyone now has got one of these smart watches, haven't they? And I quite like them. Mm. That works for me. It tells me my, my heart rate and how much oxygen I've got left and, you know, how many days I've got left to go and all that kind of thing because I've sold myself <laughs> to uh, to Steve Jobs. Um, but I think, for me, my favourite watch when I was at school, and they didn't last very long at all, uh, was the one that you could use to turn your telly over. Oh, Fucking yeah, the fantastic. infrared one. Yes. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. How cool was they that? You could great. piss so many people off, couldn't you, with one of those? And you could. And the other, the other thing was as well, is it weren't, if you were walking down the road, uh, people still got their curtains open. You could just walk down the road and just sort of aim your aim your watch at the window and sort of <laughs> six times in ten, the telly would turn over and they wouldn't have a clue what was going on. It's great. Oh, what joy. That reminds me, actually. This is, this is going off at a major tangent, but you started it. Back in the day, when people used to rent televisions, that was a thing. I mean, you, you'll probably remember this. There were places like... DER, radio rentals, rumbelows, where if you wanted the latest telly but didn't want to have to keep shelling out for a new one every couple of years, you could rent them for a small price per month. And this is how a lot of people got their first video recorders, as I remember, too, because they were hideously expensive back in the early 80s, you know, four or five hundred quid then, which would be thousands now. Anyway... Every high street had a Rumbelows, a DER, Radio Rentals, other hire shops were at Vision Hire, that was another one. Granada, from my part of the world, there was Granada Rental as well. They they covered all the bases. They turned into Radio Rentals in the end, didn't they? I think you probably, I think they did. They were probably, the market was probably a little bit squeezed, so there was some amalgamation went on. I'll have to look that one up. There's, Wikipedia will be my friend <laughs> in the moment when I when I sit there. <laughs> but anyway, they, they used to be in the in the provincial, the southern provincial town where I grew up. There used to be a, 
a branch of I think it was DER, Domestic Electrical Rentals, as it was known in the olden days before acronyms became a thing or contractions or whatever they call. And uh, in this shopping mall, in this very 80s red brick shopping mall, there was this branch of DER or whatever it was. And outside it was this lovely decorative bench with a flower bed around it. And they had benches all the way around. You remember Arndale centres of the 70s or 80s had these benches where tired shoppers could sit down, look around at the low ceiling and F. Hines selling its cheap jewellery and DER renting TV sets to people. Anyway, one of my uh, monkey friends, their television set came from DER and he had the bright wheeze one Saturday afternoon when we were bored of going, let's go down to the shopping centre with the remote control and see if we can remote control the TVs in the window. Good idea, we think. We toddle off down to town, sit there on the bench, get the remote control out, press the button and lo and behold, the little red light on the front of the television, in fact, all three of the televisions in the window starts blinking and the sound on the horse racing that afternoon goes right up. Cue much disconcernment from the back of the shop going, where the hell's that noise coming from? And as they walk towards the front of the shop to try and work out why all the tellies had suddenly turned up, down goes the volume as they approach. <laughs> Do this about three or four times and it becomes the most hilarious thing you've ever done in your life. And you can do it week after week until the one time you turn up and there is tape over the sensors. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was the best fun you could have as a bored 13 or 14 year old. Trust me, <laughs> it was just wonderful. They, they did all sorts of things. I'd completely forgotten you could do the infrared thing, but there were also other things like there was one that would uh, it knew the temperature. A mate of mine even had one that had a, an AM radio built in that you had to plug the headphones into and they became the aerial. So listening surreptitiously to the radio in class wasn't really an option because you had a load of wires running down from your head. But, the, you know, the thought was there. It was a tiny little radio on your wrist, not quite um, Dick Tracy communicators that we sort of almost have now but yeah it's uh, why they've become trendy again i suppose it's i mean you could perhaps pin it on um stranger things that sort of resurgence of the 80s being trendy again perhaps that's what it is i, I can't really think otherwise well people have been un unable to let the 80s die for a long time you've always had 80s radio stations and it just, and, and 80s tv shows keep coming around again on uk gold um, but it feels like they've been so unfashionable i think you're right so unfashionable for so long the 80s are now getting trendy again. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they're like, you know what, I'm really starting to get into 80s music. I was like, I think I might be as well. Maybe that's just my age. I don't know. But uh, it's <laughs> what, what it's been, been 40 years now since 1980. So maybe that's about the point where stuff gets cool again. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of my formative years, music-wise, being very anti-anything establishment. So Led Zeppelin... Queen, all of that sort of thing. Oh, God, that's old man music. Why the f*** do I want to listen to that? Now, Pink Floyd are sort of one of my favourite ever bands. I, I just, you know, you look back, I think you just gain an appreciation as you, as you get older and mature, where you're able to sort of think, I'm not... I don't have to be the angry young monkey I used to be because A, I'm not, but B, I've had a bit of life experience and can, ex and can appreciate a wider gamut of influences. And I'll never be a huge Queen fan ever, but I can even look back on them and think that at least they knew how to play and you could hum the tune, <laughs> which, which is always the thing that old people used to level up. What the bloody hell is that you're listening to? It sounds like a noise. 
Uh, but the other great thing about the uh, this period of time was um, that some of the stuff we got to play with, which, of course, cap guns were the big thing. I mean, nowadays, you couldn't get away with it, could you? You, you know, it's not, it's not really PC, is it, to walk around with a, a pretend gun that fires caps and makes a noise. But I have to tell you, uh, admission I have, when I was a small boy, probably about six years old, I walked into our village store in a very, very small village I lived in, which was two two doors down from our house. And <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, I, I didn't think it was a big deal at the time, but I held up the, <laughs> the shopkeeper with my, with my pistol <laughs> and demanded sweets. Suffice to say, I was marched round to my parents very rapidly and received somewhat of a telling off for what I considered to just be actually quite, you know, the normal thing to do. But there you go. We learn by our mistakes, don't we? Um, well, well, I mean, cap guns. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned cap guns, there, Clyde. It's, oh, they were great fun. As a, as a monkey growing up in the 70s and more specifically the 80s where I was old enough to have these things, Saturday afternoons running around our little cul-de-sac, the, the smell of cordite in the air. It was it was great fun. And when you realised as well you could get those rolls of caps, because there were two sorts. There was the paper caps, which came on a, on a roll of 100, I remember, which was like a strip of paper about a quarter of an inch quarter of an inch thick quarter of an inch whatever that is in millimeters about five mil for our younger viewers (laughs) the pictures are great on radio aren't they and they had little dots equally spaced of of a very small amount of gunpowder basically which you know doesn't bear thinking about now you'd be locked away if you tried to sell these things to kids these days but you put these things in in the appropriate toy weapon, which back in those days were very realistic. Nowadays, they've got to be painted orange or have a big orange plug in the end so you can't be mistaken for the real thing. So you can't go and hold up your local bank with a Lone Star cap gun. But back then, they were very realistic. And you loaded these rolls of caps in. And then every time you pulled the trigger, the hammer would come back and it would hit one of these little tiny dots of gunpowder and you'd get a little crack or a bang. Then there was the other sort, which were the plastic ones that went into things like fake revolvers and you pushed them in like you'd put the bullets in and they were a lot more bangy. Great fun, those things. But they all made the same smell. And if it, I mean, We've got caps. We've got those um, flashbang things you throw on the floor that make a snap when you throw them. It's the same smell and it just takes me back then to sort of basically all-out war. I can remember, because I'm of a certain age, running around the close playing faultless war with cat guns and shooting a load of imaginary Argentines down the other end of the close. Oh, dear. They can't say we weren't up on the news even then. Save the penguins, quick. <laughs> the penguins have done nothing. They, they, it's not their war. Leave them out of it. They just, they, they just want the fish. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was happy days. I mean, nowadays, I don't even know if you can you can even buy caps i mean cap guns are very much a thing of the past i think now and probably rightly so they're seen as a a a horrible thing to to be waving around but there's still something about the feel of even a toy gun in your hand that sort of you can see why people fetishize weapons and perhaps a lot of that has come from being indulged as children and having loads of cap guns you know what you can still buy them um, and it amazed me uh, I saw it in the summer in a theme park on the Isle of Wight they've got like, a section um, and there was all these kids wandering around with cap guns which I, I, I vaguely remember um, and 
lot of them had the orange bits taken off, so I'm not sure what deterrent <laughs> they possibly thought that would be against, you know. <laughs> oh, no, let's, just, let's just glue a little bit of orange onto the end, and then nobody will hold up a bank. That's a fucking good idea, yeah. <laughs> Pay you the big bucks for these ideas. Um, so there's all these people running around with these uh, guns that have had the glue taken off them, and me feeling incredibly <laughs> Mm. It's the Isle of Wight, isn't it? <laughs> Who knows what goes on out there? <laughs> Quite literally, the, the wild southwest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can't get... And there was a whole... And I, when I say a whole shop, I mean a, a big shop just dedicated to cat guns and those things just drove at me, the banging noise, uh, and all all items related to, uh, like, the Wild West, or I'd call it the Wild West kind of um, stuff that you've, you've both been talking about. No, it's, well, things like explosives were very much more accessible back then. I mean You're listening to Brass Monkeys, the one, the only, the world beating. I think we've heard that expression somewhere before. But trust us, we are telling the truth, unlike the government of Great Britain. Ooh, that sounds a little bit contentious. Ooh, sounds a bit like Ben Elton there, actually. Ooh, no, sounds a bit more like Farsha. I don't know, where am I going... Where have I come from? It's a good question. I'm a monkey. I have a small brain. Um, anyway, it's nostalgia uh, this week. As always, we're looking back at some of the best parts of our early lives. Uh, time to talk about TV. Um, if you're of a certain age, yes, bingo, I've said it again. Bingo always picks me up on the fact that I always go, if you're of a certain age. What is a certain age? A certain, I mean, a certain what age. What am I, a certain age? Well, what is well, a certain, a, certain, old. a certain age is whatever age you feel that you know more than anybody else. Oh, young man. Oh, young man. You might remember, it was a a programme, again, aimed at kids. Brilliant programme. Loved it. It was Wurzel Gummidge. Wurzel was played by my second best Doctor Who, John Pertwee. He of the Velvet Jacket. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant character. Um, Wurzel Gummidge, basically, if you don't know, I'm sure you must know, he was a scarecrow who was brought to life magically by the Crow Man. The Crow Man was actually... The one that I found a bit sinister. But talking to Cuddles earlier, Cuddles was seriously traumatised by the whole concept of Wurzel Gummidge, weren't you, Cuddles? Cuddles, come out from your corner. Come, come, come and talk to us. Come and talk Make to us. Make it stop. Make it go away. It's horrible. The horror, the horror. It's, this is something, it's some robotic thing that walks around that can remove its head <laughs> to change its mood. What's what's not scary about that? The, the crow man has got to share some of the responsibility for the horror, but ultimately casting your eyes on the on the thing itself as it walked around and went, I'm going to put on my shagging head. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm say, that, couple... say that again, please, Cuddles. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a fantasy. I'm, we're back on the David Cameron again, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. it's Aunt Sally. I'm going to put on Miss Shagging Head. Oh, hang on a minute. Shagging Head. Yeah, and then... I thought I'd misheard you, but obviously not. Or perhaps perhaps Humping Head, if you want the alliterative version. (laughs) But there's... Oh, God. This... What was it? Sunday Afternoons, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Southern TV. Cup of tea and a slash of cake with Aunt Sally. With Aunt Sally. And who hated his guts. I mean, she was a disturbing character. This nasty, vitriolic, narcissistic... She could be a Tory MP. She could be, couldn't she? To to be perfectly honest, and perhaps that's why I was feeling so scared even then. It was a, a... 
a portent for a the portent, future. That's the word. Thank you very much. A portent <laughs> of what was to come. No, I mean, John Pertwee was an odd man at the best of times, but he was perfectly cast for this. He I was mean, brilliantly the, cast for it, wasn't oh, he? God, I mean, talk about it. a man who immersed himself in the role. Oh, big time. I mean, I was, I've never been a big Doctor Who fan. And I think my Doctor Who, if we had to sort of... Tom one, Baker. To, Tom Baker. Tom's putting it in now. That's another story, <laughs> which we'll, we'll go into at another time. I think but, we've touched on that in a very early as episode, it were, actually, haven't we? As it were, yeah. That was his chat-up line. But, but yeah, Tom Baker was probably my... But John Pertwee, I can say, I mean, he was an eccentric. He was an eccentric-looking and sounding man. Mm. So he was perfectly cast for this. I mean, it was a car full of eccentrics Eunice Stubbs played Aunt Sally to perfection she was brilliant wasn't she yeah. and yeah. I mean the crow man what oh, you'll have to remind me of his name it's gone um, I can't I can't remember either but, uh, I, but I want to say Wilfred Bramble it obviously wasn't Wilfred no it Bramble. wasn't but he 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 was again on his push bike mm. you know he, uh, but uh, do you know what the thing I think about the program for me as a as a young boy the, the the cinematography of it, the the film work. <clears throat> bearing in mind it's a TV show, but but the quality of the film work was brilliant, and it mm. it captured the ambience and the beauty of Southern England. No, and uh, no, I mean joking aside, I mean I. I too can recognise the fact that it was beautifully shot. I mean, Southern TV and latterly TVS really knew how to use what they had on their doorstep. They were very good. I mean, another one of the time, I think, was uh, the famous Five when they uh, did those. They were all made down there. That was Where's Timmy? Where's Timmy? <clears throat> Where's Timmy? Timmy's very licky. Um, yes, it was. That was another one where you know the the surrounding area, Hampshire, Sussex. Bingo, was... behave! I can see you snickering <laughs> in the corner. It was it was sold. Um, just to go back, the Crowman, Jeffrey Bailden, who was obviously also Cat Weasel, another Cat Weasel. Yep, another strange character. Wow, he, yeah. he excelled at playing those. Absolutely. And he also Jeffrey Bailden, a little known fact, fat fans. If you remember. TV at school back in the old days where they used to wheel in the big TV in a box Yay. and then fold back the doors Yay. and then wait for it to warm up. You'd all sit there and shoot the dots as the school's clock counted down on the screen and then it would go, hooray! It's, oh God, we're watching that again. Oh my God, it's a school sex programme. We don't want to watch all about this, the reproductive cycle version. Two. <laughs> Hello, I'm David Cameron, here to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> He's back in the room. <laughs> But yes, there was a there was a series called Look and Read, which was a program for kids of probably about six or seven learning to read. And these programs were brilliant. They taught they had they taught you the words and they taught you through stories. And the stories would refer back to little bits with people like Derek Griffiths and actors and bits and pieces. And there was a character on there, another terrifying character called Wordy the Word Watcher. Oh my who, God, I remember. Oh God, yes. yeah. Oh, yes. now that's one that traumatised me. Yeah, exactly. Like what a the floating, hell was that about? Like a floating golf ball typewriter head that used to bob around. Uh, yeah, this is Brass Monkeys, and we're talking about nostalgia in particular at the moment, just talking about The Changes, which was a 1970s uh, kids' TV series. Bearing in mind, this was put on at tea time um, when you were coming home from school, and it was actually about a world... Um, you might get a sense of deja vu here, but it was about a world where um, technology couldn't help us anymore and and society started to to fragment, to fall apart. Are you trying to upset me? <laughs> right. 
I'm a very sensitive millennial, okay? Last time it was all about... Um, threads. Uh, threads, that's the one. Yeah. yeah, nuclear war, and you kept playing that horrible noise under the thing every time nuclear war came up, and I felt incredibly uneasy. And now you're telling me about... No, it just I don't... <laughs> Just, you've got Bingo, just, millennial here, okay? just stick a banana or two in your ears for Ooh. the next few minutes. I'll ask David Cameron about that. <laughs> it's a pork scratching. Uh, <laughs> for when the real thing just isn't enough. <laughs> Let's make the piggy magic happen, shall we? Fried for his pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> God, you've got me at it now. <laughs> anyway, on a serious note, yes, um, bingo. Just, just, uh, um, just try and down. not get too too uh, affected by this because um, it's not real. Okay, it's makeup. Well, it is at the moment, anyway. Um, but yeah, the changes was was quite an amazing series again at its time. Probably made on a relatively um, modest budget, shall we say. I mean, modest budget in 1970s BBC land is probably, well, how would you class it now, Cuddles? Oh, probably quite a lot. If quite you a lot, yes. Scale it up, allowing for inflation, a lot more money was spent in those days. I mean, money, a lot of money is spent in TV production now, but back in those days, the equivalent would have been a lot more than they'd be spending now. Brilliant, brilliant series though, and uh, there are actually clips available on YouTube. So if you if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, um, just open up YouTube and um, and have a search for the Changes uh, TV series. But I'm not gonna I'm not going to upset Bingo any more than we've already done tonight because he's obviously had a traumatic evening. One thing I did want to say though that if you've got any particular programs that that you uh, reminisce about or indeed items of nostalgia that you think we should cover. It's brassmonkeys at gmail.org. There we go. Is it gmail.com. This is where I'm going wrong, you see. I'm getting my comms and my orgs mixed up. You can send us rude, hateful messages direct from brassmonkeys.org. There we go. All you've got to do is give us a name. So I'll do it live if you want me to. Um, Hatefieldmonkey. My email address is brassmonkey at gmail.com. And uh, pork scratchings is my message. (laughs) <laughs> and that should, that should that should be in someone's inbox right now brassmonkeys well, at gmail.com uh, uh, some, somehow whatever way you want to get in touch and let us know what you'd like us to cover on this here episode um, and we'll have a look at it and feature it possibly in weeks to come I, I wanted to just mention a brief bit about um, correspondence because uh, in, in previous episodes um, had talked about uh, uh, getting hold of the, the one the only the legendary the Hoff don't hassle the Hoff. Um, I have to tell you, not overly good so far. Um, initial initial email to the Hoff was actually via the uh, official David Hasselhoff online.com website. F- strangely enough, Hoff doesn't have a direct line to him, which I was a bit surprised by. I thought, you know, Hoff being Hoff would be like, you know, hey, I'm here. Um, but anyway, so I, I contacted um, the webmaster who, who was basically saying all oh, questions, comments and fan inquiries, please contact me. So I contacted them um, and they were basically, mm, sorry, I can't really help you with that because I don't actually have anything to do with the Hoff. But I have got Judy's number. Yeah. Who's Judy? Judy. Judy Katz. She is the Hoff's PR woman. Mm-hmm. So, um, so. Andy. I, so um, I've sent an email to the old Judy and uh, said, uh, hi, Judy, it's the Brass Monkeys here. And uh, 
the Hoff is a legend who we would like to feature on our award-winning broadcast channel. <laughs> We're writing checks there, though, got cash, <laughs> aren't we? Um, as such, so far, no response from her, but I am going to be following up with another email just to see. Uh, also, tried to get hold of uh, Professor Brian Cox. Maybe I took the tone a little bit wrong when I went, hey, Coxie, how's it going? <laughs> mm-hmm. Digging your physical styly. Again, no response yet. So I'm wasn't two in the morning shouting through his letterbox again, was it? You know what happened last time. The I cease and thought, desist was look, very, just, very specific. I just thought, you know, come on, Brian Cox, you know, he was in D Ream. You know, he was the he was he was the rock and roll man. You know, he's used to like down there with it. And and like I thought he'd appreciate the direct the funky response, you know, that but it's it's not happening. So um, I'm going to work on that. But that does bring me on to um, another, another, uh, my next letter is actually going to be to the Pet Shop Boys. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Neil Tennant, Chris Lowe, big fans. Um, and I don't know if you, if you clocked their, one of their most recent songs, but it's, it's the singing about monkey business. Yeah. So I thought, I thought basically, basically just, you know, a quick line to them saying, guys, you don't mind if we just sample a bit of the old monkey business for our, for our channel. And um, so I, I haven't done the email yet, but I thought I'll get some advice from you about the best way to, to go about, uh, you know. I mean, you know, if they want to come on and have a chat with us, we'll maybe have a weekly a weekly get-together with the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that happening. You can see that yeah. happening, yeah. Oh, I like yeah. the look of this song as well. This should be our anthem. The lyrics are... Um, They're brilliant, uh, aren't they? bang on point, aren't they? Everybody yeah, yeah. get on board. I'm back in town, monkey business, and I'm not leaving. Till this last joint is shut. Yeah, this gets exactly, like, exactly. Like reading lyrics at you. I, I think, I think, it's I think, I think I'm onto a winner. Don't read any more because we'll be up for PRS. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> I think I'm onto a winner. Um, but I do, I do just want to wrap up this week's um, spellbinding episode of Brass Monkeys. I have to say, yes. Yeah, so um, last week we finished, uh, or, or last episode of Brass Monkeys, we finished playing some anthemic music from uh, an amazing film. Uh, of which Cuddles is going to give the reveal. It was... Where Eagles Dare, a classic. Actually, probably one of the greatest um, films uh, themed on World War II that has been made. The other one... Isn't that funny, though? Just going off on a slight tangent here. Um, the other film that I always think about is um, The Eagle Has Landed. Yes, that was, which, um, that was which the Which is one... a decade later. And it, uh, it's yeah. the one where the Germans invade England. That's correct. Yes, it's, and it's um, got Donald easy Sutherland to get them mixed up. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a yeah. different story. Very but it, but story. it is also a very good film. I have to say, very different to Where Eagles Dare. So I'm not going to get too confused on that. But maybe we'll come back to that film on another time. But the whole idea uh, about Where Eagles Dare is it's basically audacious. It's an audacious plot, and you don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. And at every turn, there's another twist, and there's a massive twist right at the end. Keeps you going all the way through, which is what any good film should do, but particularly war films. And you know that that bit when when they're walking through the corridors of the castle and they're in the German uniforms, it's so claustrophobic. Because you're you're with them, you know that at any one moment they could actually be exposed, and and it comes so close. Doesn't it? I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's not seen it, but but it is it's brilliant. It's proper edge of your seat stuff that end 
that ending. That's brilliant. And, yeah. and the book, the book is well worth reading as well, because if I'm correct, which doesn't happen often, I think I'm correct on this one, uh, he wrote the book pretty much at the same time he was writing the screenplay, so they're very, very close to one another. Which There's is no very unusual in film land, Very, isn't it? very yeah. unusual. Normally it's adapted at a much later date and a lot of the plot goes away with it. But this one, there's a couple of minor changes, but basically what you read is what you see on the screen and it's all the better for it. Great, great book, great film. Shall we induct into the Brass Monkeys Hall of Big Bald Fame the one and only Richard Burton as our number one inductee? Yeah, and I think alongside him needs to go his uh, his vice president, if we're going to have one of those. I think um, Clint Eastwood. Oh! I think, he, I think he needs to be there too for so many reasons, if I not know. least because he's got a big gun. Exactly, and of course he Ooh. kept me as a pet for a bit. He did, he did yes, indeed, yes. Exactly. You're, you were quite literally his right-hand man. I was his right-hand man, although not in that particular movie. <laughs> stand down, Cameron, stand down. <laughs> Okay, this is now getting surreal. Uh, <laughs> by the way, it's a good job you don't. It's a good job you don't pay for these broadcasts, isn't it, listener? But by the way, if you do want to, if you do want to contribute to our funds, um, Patreon will be coming soon, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Until then, <laughs> a load of non non-numbered bills in the YouTube box. I was going to say, alternatively, you want to pay us to stay off the air, then, you know, we'll, we'll consider all contributions gladly. Um, I think that kind of wraps things up for this week. What do you say, Cuddles and Bingo? Before you go, I just want to play a quick fun game with you, if that's okay. Ooh, yeah. Um, I noticed this week um, that uh, you just said just now, I can't remember the chap's name, but he'd be a better Prime Minister than the one we've got now. I think Borat would be a better Prime Minister than the one we've got now. Um, and it just led me to thinking, I've never really engaged much with the whole Borat thing because I find it quite annoying. Um, mm. but someone's, I saw a clip on uh, YouTube of, of Borat and I thought, F- me, that sounds like Boris Johnson. I thought we could just have a very quick, can you identify whether this was Borat or Boris? Oh, oh this sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, first quote, voting will cause your wife to have bigger breasts and increase your chances of owning a car. Johnson. Borat or Boris? Johnson. Borat. (laughs) One to cuddles, I'm afraid. That is, in fact, Boris Johnson on voting conservative. Voting Tory will cause your wife to have bigger breasts and increase your chances of owning a BMW M3. That's why they've all did it. I've done it in the red wall, yes. Uh, For ten years... We've become used to a Papua New Guinea style of orgies and cannibalism and chief killing. Boris or Borat? Borat. Johnson. That's another one to cuddles, I'm afraid. That is, once again, Boris Johnson. <laughs> you see where this is going, don't you? Um, one more. <laughs> should, we do, should we do one more? Okay. Um, I arrived at the airport with clothes, money... And a jar of tears to protect me from AIDS. Boris or Borat? <laughs> think carefully. I know what I want to say. Think carefully. I, to... <laughs> I want to say Borat, but I've got a horrible feeling. Are we, are we going, Boris? I'm going to go Johnson. Boris Johnson. Cuddles? Borat or Boris? It's Borat. 
Please, God, let it be Borat, because if not, we're all <laughs> fucked up. It is Borat, yes. So I arrived in America's airport with clothings, US dollars, and a jar of gypsy tears to protect me from AIDS. But there you go. There is, therein lies the problem we have at the moment with uh, with our current government. What the f*** are they on if they sound like Borat, really? I, I, can't, I can't make any sense of that at all. It's like, it just... <laughs> It justifies belief, but it doesn't, does it? That's the thing. It, well, this is, we got to play this again next time. That was this um, is, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant, Bingo. Nice work there. Um, <laughs> it's an inexhaustible supply as well, isn't it? Basically, it, is. it just doesn't stop. I mean, this 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 quotes page I'm reading you from is just oh, it's fantastically long. We could be oh. here all night doing this. Great well, if you're a bit pissed at the pub. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I remember obviously. that. I remember doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just to finish off, I'm, I am um, just on um, the Hoff's uh, shop, by the way, at the moment. Ooh, yeah. Can you buy a Hoff? <laughs> well, you can't buy a Hoff, but um, I, I'm quite attracted by the button badge set, which is don't hassle the Hoff. The Hoff. My other car is Kit. <laughs> <laughs> what would the Hoff do? And the man, the myth, the Hoff. And the Cold War, you're welcome. Seriously. Oh, it's brilliant. You can get the Freedom 2019 tour book. It's only six quid. Yeah, plus another 18 quid to get it shipped over here. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I really love got, oh, you look, you can get retro Hoff shorts, which basically look like very, very Oh, the Hoff pants. 30 shorts. Yeah, they're yeah. 25 quid to you and me. Oh, dear. Oh, no. I don't, it doesn't leave much of the imagination, does it? Hey, anyway, look, don't, don't, don't be rude about the Hoff, because I'm trying to get him on side at the I'm moment. I'm not being so. rude about the Hoff. I'm just saying I'm not sure that that's... Uh, I'm sure he'd look wonderful in it. But Next uh, week, ladies and gentlemen, Bingo will be modelling <laughs> Hoff's 30 shorts. <laughs> do, you, do you know what? All right, come on, let's see how long it takes to get here. Challenge a week. Pick a side I don't have my size. They've only got small and medium. Oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, uh, keep up to date with what we're waffling on about at Brass Monkeys on Twitter. Um, email us if you would like to, brassmonkeys at gmail.com. And check out the website, brassmonkeys.org. Until next time, time for another banana. Cameron, put that pig down. What's that Kurt Cobain thing? It's better to fade away than or whatever it was he said. The reverse of what he said. I'll just quietly disappear up into the ether. Sorry, I've just found I've just found something. We could get the Hoff to appear on the podcast, but it will cost you two hundred and forty nine pounds. That's our annual budget blown. <laughs> annual, <laughs> decade long. Um, I've just spent fifty six pounds eleven on a bloody one meter by one meter polycarbonate panel. That's 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 been blown out. <laughs> I know I know how to spend my money, don't I? Is this to keep your? You're making a see through cabinet for all your pork scratchings. I'm I'm actually I'm actually upgrading the security of my shed or my main shed that's got all my tools in. Oh, yes. And oh, four millimeter polycarbonate is literally unbreakable. So, ah, is this the stuff that's sort of meant to be when you sort of lay up a couple of them and they're almost bulletproof? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> nice. Yes. Well, I get some of that for the car. Always feel a bit, <laughs> always feel a bit untoward driving down the sort of rougher areas. Down there's, the there's, there's another item. <laughs> Taking on the gangsters with with cuddles. I say stand still my 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 birdies can't quite reach you. Paul <laughs> 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 <laughs>
the Bronx, as it's known. I have driven through. F- kind of know where you're coming from. Rough as a badger's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's called <laughs> where we are. Oh. <laughs> well, at least that used to have a purpose at an airfield. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Help stop the war. What the <laughs> ever done? Just got a kebab <laughs> shop and a tattoo parlour. <laughs> and a load of scrotes. Uh, mm. no, 111 minutes. Mm. <laughs> Some of it time. usable. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the edit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's nice being on the other end of it. <laughs> um, mm. Perfect, you've provided everything I need there. Okay. <laughs> Just wait and see what I do with that. <laughs> is it's going to be a nasty sound of a shotgun going on. <laughs> if, if that's fading off into the distance, that's it's quite a dramatic way to go about it, Kurt. Oh, Was it? And I swear that I don't have a gun. Actually, I think you'll find that history's proved you wrong on that one, Kurt. Uh, it's okay. a fucking big one. Next week, Bingo is replaced by David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. As long as it's David Hasselhoff and not, David, not David Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh make God. the piggy magic happen, shall we? I say bacon sandwiches, anybody? What? Do you think we could get him on somehow to talk about like pig farming? But in a, in a really, in a really like, you know, we must have enough connections here to to make us sound like a BBC station, you know. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're just, just just we're producing remotely. Um, yeah, you know, my name's Alan. I'm from uh, BBC Radio Cumbria. Uh, we want to talk to you about you know. That's your, far too um... professional for BBC Local Radio. You oh, should I, know I, that. I, okay, <laughs> just how I had it in my head before you went there. Hello, um, it's BBC After uh, no, no, here. So, so it would be a bit like hello, 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 hi, hi. Oh. Is anybody? Can somebody tell me? Are we online yet? Is that Mr. Cameroon? Hello? Fading down, he's crashed the news. <laughs>